Welcome to the No Water Methodist Church Podcast, where we hope to encourage you in your spiritual journey so that you may be a blessing to your local church and to the world. Okay, thanks for joining us for another episode of No Water Methodist's podcast. This episode is from this last Sunday in which we observed, on which we observed All Saints Day. I'm on the road, so uh, my kids are in the back, hopefully not going to be making any noise as they drive to meet their great-grandmother. But uh, anyway, this, uh, this service is really special to me each year. This is a service where we remember the dearly departed members of the church that have informed our faith and encouraged us in love and um, you know not a lot of churches do this very well I, I consider this um, something that my church is particularly gifted at um, there's just a wonderful heritage that many members are familiar with and and grateful for um, there are a couple families that go back multiple generations and um, the church and uh, for this particular service, you know, each each time we observe this ceremony, we name individual members, and uh, there were about six people that remained standing this whole time just to show that they were honoring those people and remembering those people. Um, we're not going to play that section in the podcast, just kind of think it's important to, to let you know about such a ritual, but um, we do cover the uh, lectionary readings around All Saints, which talk about the reality of death and um, the promise of the kingdom and the hope for eternal life and um, a removal of the old order for a new order that doesn't require sin or suffering, sorrow, or death, and uh, the implications that has for our daily lives. Um, I, I consider this kind of something that easily points to the heart of the gospel, so I hope uh, you agree that your time is well spent listening uh, to this portion, and may God bless you as you attend upon these readings with us. Our first reading is from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 25, verses 6 through 9, which begins on page 1096 in your pew Bibles. Listen to the word of God. On this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest of wines. On this mountain, he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples, the sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove his people's disgrace from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. In that day, they will say, surely this is our God. We trusted in him and he saved us. This is the Lord. We trusted in him. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. The word of the Lord. Praise be to God. The Bible readings we do are not selected by me or anybody in the church. They're the byproduct of the Revised Common Lectionary. It's a series of four readings each Sunday in a three-year cycle selected, I don't know, 40, 50 years ago. So some Sundays, our scripture readings all have a common thread binding them together very obviously. Some Sundays, really not so much, and we have to be kind of creative. Today, the, the theme is going to readily lend itself. God has created uh, a future promise. He has given us a future promise of his kingdom, which he makes us worthy to receive 
insofar as we are in faithful covenant with him on this side of heaven. And so we're going to see this in all four uh, readings today, and we're going to hear different qualities about this kingdom that he's uh, going to welcome us into. And then the very first thing that you'll notice in, uh, in this reading that we just had in verse 6 is wine, W-I-N-E. Um, it says, on this mountain, the mountain is the new uh, Jerusalem, the city of God, on this mountain the Lord Almighty will prepare a rich feast, a rich food for all his people's a banquet of aged wine, and in case you didn't pay attention, there's going to be wine there. It says, the best meats and finest of wines. And this is the point where I saw a meme on Facebook where it has a guy bugging out his eyes, and uh, it has this verse over it and says, how every Baptist feels when they come across this scripture, you know, because uh, it's kind of make it, poking at Baptists for being teetotalers and not a, not a drop of wine being acceptable on the mouth, uh, tongue of a believer uh, Methodists used to be like this too, so we really can't cast stones, but I'm going to tell you this joke anyway. What's the difference between a Methodist and a Baptist? A Methodist will greet you when he sees you in the liquor aisle at the grocery store. <laughs> Get it? Because the Baptist kind of, I don't see you. There's another one about going fishing with Baptists. I don't remember that one good enough to tell it, but um, same, same point. Uh, the point here is not that we should all be getting drunk. The point here is that uh, anything in moderation is good. And the whole, the, really the most the important thing here is the kingdom is going to be a great rejoicing place. It's not going to be a somber, uh, joyless place. It's going to be a place of great joy and rejoicing. There was a lady at the previous worship service I did. I preached in Delaware before this. She was surprised to hear we're going to be eating in heaven. She thought, isn't that just metaphor? And I said, no. The reason I know is because when the resurrected Jesus appeared, he said, do you have anything to eat? And they gave him a piece of fish, and he chowed down right in front of them. And then later on, they were out fishing, and they saw him, and he had prepared a meal for them on the, the beach, and he ate with them there. Uh, do you all remember the Brethren We Have Met to Worship song we sing sometimes? Brethren, we have met to worship. The very last verse says... Christ will gird himself and serve us with sweet manna all around. So this resurrection that we've been promised is a bodily resurrection. It's not us as ghosts floating around. We will have resurrection bodies that can enjoy things. And food is going to be one of the things that we are enjoying together on God's holy mountain around a sumptuous feast. Who loves eating together? Okay, I'm, I'm so excited to eat just after this. Jeff Holt made... Bologna and uh, pot roast, was it? Brisket. Brisket. So much better than pot roast. I don't know what I was thinking. Uh, but anyway, a, a number of sumptuous dishes in the back. And just in case it wasn't clear, even if you didn't bring something, we would love for you to stay and eat with us because it's a biblical thing to do. Early Christians, when the church first happened, one of the four things they were doing all the time was eating together. All right? It's important. Um, after this, it's describing uh, this holy mountain. It says that he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples. All right? So... When we think of a shroud, we think of something that wrapped dead people in or something that obscures vision. Uh, the notion is that all the things that divide us here on earth, all the things that uh, separate us from God and one another here on earth will be separated, which sounds pretty wonderful to me. God will swallow up death forever. Does that sound good? Yes. He will wipe away the tears from all faces. That's something that Revelation repeats. Does that sound good? Oh, man, that sounds wonderful. He will remove people's disgrace from all the earth. Anyone here ever been disgraced? Apparently not very many of you. So many perfect people here. We're so blessed to have you here. 
I've been disgraced. I've been disgraced. Oh, it's an awful feeling. God's going to wipe away my disgrace. Oh, I'm so excited for that. He already has through the cross, but it's going to be a completely new thing in the new creation. Um, in that day, we will say, surely this is our God. We trusted him and he saved us. But like everything good in the Bible, there's an inverse of it. What if we don't trust in him? Will he save us? The biblical answer is no. And that's one of the things I'm going to harp on today. When we're talking about all saints, when we're talking about those who are in the presence of God, when we're talking about those we hope to be reunited with on the other side, the only ones we're going to find in the kingdom are those who were in faithful covenant with God. Those are the ones who trusted in the Lord, and because they trusted in him, he came through for them. And you're going to find this in the psalm today, in the Revelation reading, and uh, uh, not so much in the gospel, but I'm going to hold fast to it anyway. We need to remember that how we live here on earth matters. What relationships we carry matter. And when Jesus says that the greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, he means it. So that prayer we said for all saints said, help us to be mindful of the saints who came before who loved you. And remember that Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will receive the kingdom of God. That's this whole church thing, the church is not the building, it's the assembly. But we've set aside this time to come together because we are God's covenant people, or at least we're learning about what it would mean to be God's covenant people. And that means that we want to live faithfully today and tomorrow and next week and next year. We want to be pursuing God and his holiness. Seek first the kingdom of God and his holiness and everything will be given unto you. That's the scriptural promise. But if you don't seek God's first, you will receive nothing good. We'll talk about that a little bit more at the New Testament reading, but um, let's... Our third reading is from the Revelation of John, chapter 21, verses 1 through 6, which begins on page 1937 in your pew Bibles. Listen again to the Word of God. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bridge beautifully dressed for her husband. A bride beautifully dressed. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Yeah, there's a lot of overlap here between uh, the Isaiah passage, wiping away every tear from our eyes, uh, death being swallowed up in victory, God dwelling with us in person. All, all this you find in different places in the Bible, it, it means it quite literally. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't see what a metaphorical rendering of this even does for us. There is a literal end of history, 
a literal place where God resides and we will be with him and we will be part of that bride, the church. Uh, and I'm looking forward to it. But the thing is, does it sound like there's much drama going on in that kingdom? Drama is kind of a hard one. Is there, let me ask you an easy one. Is there suffering in that kingdom? Is there sin in that kingdom? Is there anger in that kingdom? So without suffering and sin and anger, is there any drama? Not really. I tell you, over the years, there have been a number of people who've come to me trying to get their lives right. They know they're doing wrong. They're trying to get their lives right. I'll meet with them as, as many times as a person will meet with me. I will meet with them. I don't force anything down anybody's throat. But there comes a point where most of them who don't stick, every now and again somebody sticks. Most people don't stick because there comes a point where we're reading the Bible and they go, oh, if I follow Jesus, that makes me a peacemaker and my life is supposed to be just peaceful. And they don't always say it. They hardly ever say it this way. But what they're actually saying is, that sounds really boring. Mary knew what I was going to say. A lot of people are addicted to drama, suffering, tumult, anxiety, and they don't know what to do. Well, in fact, if they enter a time in their life where they are at peace, they stir the pot. They start a fight with somebody. They go to the casino and lose all their money. They make bad relationship or money decisions. They start an affair. They have a midlife crisis. Whatever. That is from people who don't know how to be at peace. There is a broad stream of Christian thought that says God does not condemn anyone to hell. He doesn't force anyone to go to hell who doesn't want to go to hell. The only people who are in hell are the people who want to be there. And it's the kind of people who cannot be at peace. Who would be so miserable in God's kingdom because there's no drama. There's no action. There's a meme I've seen going around on Facebook saying, you mean to tell me that you want to be in God's kingdom for eternity when you don't even want to be in his house this Sunday? That one's a zinger. That hits you where it hurts because so many people, they don't see the church as an extension of the kingdom. They don't see this beloved fellowship here as an extension of what they'll have in, in, in heaven. I don't know what they expect. I, I don't know... But this is what it's going to be like. It's going to be people peaceably gathering around the Lord Jesus Christ, appreciating what he has done for them, and eating and praying and singing together. And if that doesn't sound good to you, then heaven is not for you. Heaven is for the people who want to be at peace, who want to have a, an intimate connection with God and one another. Jesus said the greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And second... Love your neighbor as yourself. How do you love your neighbor as yourself? You don't even want to be with your neighbor. Don't even want to know your neighbor. The people who are going to be in the kingdom are the people who love and serve one another this side of heaven. They're God's covenant people here and now. They're God's covenant people pursuing to be in fellowship, not just with one another, but with those who came before. Onward through the ages, an unbroken line, marching through the ages together. That's who is on God's holy mountain together. And so each and every week, the question before every one of us is, do I really want this thing that I'm here to say I want? There are a lot of people who sit in pews every Sunday, but they go home and they love the drama. They love the anxiety. They don't know what to do without it. What happens if we decide to actually just be peaceable people? To just not get wrapped up in everybody's anxiety and drama? 
to be a blessing to other people and let God sort out the good guys and the bad guys? What happens then if we just stop stressing out and we trust God in everything? What then? Is everything going to fall apart? No. And we all know it. There is no purpose to fear, anxiety, hate, sin. All of these things will disappear. All that's going to be left in the end is, how is it with your soul and God? And if it isn't right, you need to get right. All right. Our final reading today is from the Gospel of John, chapter 11, verses 32 through 44, which you can find on page 1669 in your pew Bibles. Listen again to the word of God. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who had opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there for four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out. His hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. This is the word of the Lord. What, is, what does it make you think of? He comes out all wrapped in, in clothes. A mummy, that's exactly what it makes you think of, a mummy. This is, how, this is how they treated bodies because what happens when a body dies is your body is holding on to bacteria all your life that is not of your body, that when your body dies, they will spread and decompose your whole body. Putrefaction takes place, you swell up, you liquefy, and it breaks everything down. And so that stinks, uh, and so they wrap you up in, in cloths that are soaked in aloes and, and stuff to, to, to shield the smell of your decomposing body. And this is, this is very explicit, I know. But we're all grown-ups here. So that's what takes place. And the miracle that Jesus does here, it's not that he just takes this body and makes the heart start beating again. It's that he reverses putrefaction, liquefaction, and the death and decaying of all the cells in this man's body and brings this mummy to life, the same as you and me are alive. Is this a miracle? It's a gross one and a wonderful one. So amazing. He comes out a mummy. And this, the, the metaphorical interpretation of this is you and I, born outside of Christ, are walking dead men like mummies. And when I say men, I mean humans. All of us are born dead in our sins. We need new life. We need to be born again. Jesus said no one will enter the kingdom unless they be born again. 
The Holy Spirit has to breathe new life into us, and there needs to be a death of who we were and a rebirth of who we are in Christ. That's, that's, it doesn't get much more core than that in the Bible. That's what has to take place for all of us. And that's what, can God do it? I mean, that's the thing. So many people feel like they're just married to their death. They're married to their suffering. They're married to their drama or anxiety. I just can't let it go. And is that the truth, or is the truth that Jesus is more powerful than you? You know the way I said it, Jesus is more powerful than you. He's more powerful than your sin. He's more powerful than your small-mindedness. He's more powerful than my anxiety. He, if I let him, can and will overcome my spirit with his Holy Spirit. There is no limit to which his spirit can take me. The question is not what God can do. The question is, what will I let him do? There are some, there are some Christian traditions that say your will has nothing to do with it. God's going to do with you whatever he wants. My experience of God is that he doesn't take me any further than I want to go. Every step forward that he's taken me, I've had to step forward with him. Otherwise, I can be left in my sin all my life. And what's even more scandalous is God can grab people out of their sin, and people can walk right back into it. And once they do, it's that much harder to ever come to God again. Scripture says it's like a dog licking up its own vomit. Or a pig that's clean going back to the mud. That's, but that's the majority of humans. Majority of humans are so... We just can't believe that God can make us saints. We just don't see it. We just don't believe it. We think, oh, I'm, just, I'm in my sin. God's going to have to save me how I am. But the reality is Christ Jesus, who can reverse putrefaction, can reverse your putrid sins as well and make you holy and pure like him. And the, question, the only question then is, do you want that? Do you want peace? Do you want to be in a place where there is no drama, where there is no anxiety, where God wipes away every tear from your eye and you are at perfect peace forever? Do you want that or do you love your drama too much to let it go? There are a lot of people who are real selfish when they come to this and they just go, well, I don't know. I, I'm not going to think about this too much. The whole reason all saints, I love all saints. and I mean, It's not like I'm giddy for it, but this is really what helps us come to the heart of how we want to lead our daily lives. When we look at the names up there, when we ring the bells, when we look at the pictures, when we see these people who came before and blessed us and loved us, do we want to be with them in a place of peace and joy? Or would we rather be in the place our sins take us, which is away from them? The primary thing that should always be orienting you is love of the Lord. Even if none of, nobody you love is in the kingdom, you should still want to be in the kingdom. But a big second is the people who are with him. Don't you want to be with the saints of the ages? I see a lot of nodding heads. But I'll tell you one thing. It's real easy to nod in a pew. It's very difficult to go home and be holy. I'm going to ask you to do the hard thing. Go home. Read your Bible. Pray. Love your spouse. Don't kick your dog. Build up your kids. Don't get wrapped up in all the drama and anxiety of the world. Seek to know your neighbors and bless them. I think I'm preached out. But I think we've heard enough. We've received a great blessing from God and from his people. Now it's for us to be holy. Oh, and I forgot to say one more important thing, and we're going to end on this. Eat. Eat together. Rejoice together.
worship together. Let's be God's holy bride together. Amen.